So let us go to our guests and see what they have to say. One of my favorite optimists in the entire world, Stephanie Link, <laughs> Chief Investment Strategist, High Tower Advisors, Head of Investment Solutions. There is no better, no better optimist than my pal Stephanie Link. And Joe Lavornia, Joe Lavornia, who's really a good guy, but he has kind of a dour outlook on the world right now. Joe Lavornia, by the way, is uh, formerly the Chief Economist of the White House. National Economic Council, where he worked for an enlightened boss, and he is presently chief economist at the Natixis Bank. So, kids, you know, the broad averages look bad, but I just want to read a couple other things that are concerning to me. I mean, look, I like to be optimistic, too, and I'm still going to say stocks for the long run. But, uh, Stephanie, I guess I'll direct this at you. The, the SOX index, the chip index down 26% year-to-date. The S&P 500 home builders down 32% year-to-date. The S&P 500 retailers down 22.6% year-to-date. I mean, that's uh, rough numbers in addition to the overall uh, aggregate numbers. So, Steph Love, what do you make of this story? What do you make of it? Well, Larry, and it's great to be with you and Joe. Thank you for having me. I think that we have said, and I have said on, on your show a couple times this year, that this year is much harder, and it was going to be much harder than the last several years because we have to deal with inflation. We have to deal with the Fed being behind the curve. We also, by the way, have a war that no one has any idea how it's going to turn out. And those uncertainties have led to multiple contraction this year. So we started the year at 21.6 times uh, earnings, uh, price to earnings uh, for the S&P 500. We are now at about 18 times. Can we go lower? Of course we can. The average is anywhere between 15 to 17 times, depending on interest rates. So um, I think that we're in this chop, but let's not forget. So I'm going to wear this um, my glass half full for half of a minute, but let's not forget the last three years on average, we had a compound annual growth rate, total return for the S&P 500 of 28%. So we had a very good time of it the last three years. Why? Because the Fed was on our side, because the economy was rebounding from being totally shut down, and it worked. All of the stimulus, though, however, fiscal and monetary, has led to inflation. And unfortunately, the Fed didn't recognize it when they should have a year ago. So now we're in this chop. And there are certain sectors that are doing worse, the ones you mentioned, for sure. Uh, And this year, I think it's more prudent to own more of a balanced portfolio. You know, I have been I was all over cyclicals last year. In fact, the last two years this year, I think it's a balance between some cyclical companies and because of their valuations are so attractive. And then some defensive names, some quality, uh, profitable companies, good balance sheet kinds of companies. So quite frankly, this year is a year to be not over your skis in terms of overweight or underweight large sector bets. Yeah, you know, that's um, that's very good. I'm looking again, one sector consumer staples are actually slightly positive. Uh, They're up a little less than one percent, but they are up. Um, let me see. Uh, yeah, everything else is down except energy, of course. Then. But energy is a bit of an outlier uh, because of the war and also bad policies and so forth. But you're right. I mean, you've had uh, a great run 
and now, as you say, we got a chop in here. I mean, I still think stocks for the long run, but I think it's going to be pretty bumpy now. Um, Joe Lavornia, question for you. Stephanie mentioned the drop in, in the multiples from 26 times to 18 times. Um, a lot of that is going to be interest rates, Joe. You've had a huge increase uh, in the 10-year, for example, which is now just slightly south of 3%. I doubt very much if that's peaked. I doubt very much if that's peaked. If you tell me you think that's peaked, I don't know. Maybe you could make a case for it, but I don't see. But the other thing that's concerning is all these rates, Joe, are still well negative with respect to uh, inflation. Inflation is much higher than all these interest rates. And that is a bad position uh, for interest rates to be in, which is why I think Stephanie's multiples analysis becomes even more important. We may have an additional contraction of multiples because nominal rates are going to have to go up. Larry, uh, you know I love both of you guys, but I completely agree. <laughs> disagree, rather, with the assessment. Uh, and you know I love both of you. You and Stephanie are the, are the best of the best. I was a former optimist and will become one at some point. <laughs> on the multiple story, on the, <laughs> I gave on you the, a uh, really bad lead in too. <laughs> gave me a bad lead. I got to address so many things. I don't even know where to begin. There's so many things I need to correct. The, uh, on the <laughs> okay, that's it. Uh, on the equity side, uh, the vast majority of the return uh, the last three years has been multiple expansion. And Stephanie's exactly right. The Fed has had the market. Um, you know, the market, the, the Fed was at the market's back. The problem I see it is several fold. Number one, potential GDP growth is, is a problem. It's much weaker. The economy doesn't have any supply side dynamism. The bond market reflects that. If you look at five year, five year inflation swaps, um, they're actually still quite low. They're lower than where they were when we came out of the crisis. So the market's basically saying five years from now, your core headline PC is going to be slightly above 2%. The flatness of the yield curve tells me the economy is going to slow quite dramatically. As you know, Larry, I was very negative on the first quarter, thought it could be negative. It was. Who knows, maybe we're negative this quarter. It's certainly possible. But what we're getting is a massive demand destruction coming from surging food and energy costs. If the war in the Ukraine has some sort of diplomatic solution, comes to an end short term, that would be in the short term, that'd be great. I'd make me very bullish on equities. But right now, we've yet to feel that full effect of the food and energy price rise. Number two, the backup in rates is, high, is significant, as you mentioned. But the backup in mortgage rates has been even more pronounced. We've had the biggest mm -hmm. backup in mortgage rates since 94 because not only has a 10-year note risen, which has pushed up mortgage rates, but the Treasury mortgage basis spread has widened because the Fed is going to unwind its mortgage securities, maybe even sell them. We've yet to feel the hit from that. So we've yet to feel the full hit from food and energy. We've yet to feel the full hit from the rise in rates. And the Fed is going to tighten more. And therefore, to be upbeat in the next couple of quarters, to me, is, is not very prudent. Mm -hmm. If, however, as I mentioned, Ukraine or the administration changes energy policy, which is integral because everything relies on energy, of course, that's not going to happen, that would make me bullish. So if the policy changes, Larry... I'd be bullish. But until the Fed relents and pauses on this tightening path, which will put us into a recession by year end, I'm very negative on risk assets. And I'm watching, in particular, credit spreads, a single, double B, and triple C credit 
We have started to widen a bit. It's not where it was earlier in the year, but that's something to watch. If those spreads widen sharply, that's a real, real bad sign for stocks. So, so, yeah, that's so actually, so both actually, we all agree. I mean, short run, not good. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's what you're short saying. Run, short good. run, not that's good. That's right. That's exactly I mean, you, right. You kind of have to, Steph, you go through, look, we've been through plenty of these periods. We've all been around the block. You kind of have to put your shoulder into it and go through it, all right? It's not going to last forever. I mean, first of all, the cavalry's coming. You're going to get a big change in Congress uh, come November. It's better to have the White House, but it's not nothing to have the Congress. So the worst stuff, you know, like big tax increases or big inflationary spending increases will not happen, all right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, we Save America, kill the bill. The Build Back Better is dead. I, I don't care. You know, you get these liberal papers or liberal websites or whatever. They think they're going to get it through. They're not going to get it through. So, you know, that it, it may not be any worse. But I just think um, the interest rate, interest, bond markets, Steph, seem to me, they're in a, in a transitory period. They, As you said, the stock market was backed up by the Fed. Well, the bond market was backed up by the Fed because they're buying all those treasuries and mortgage backs. And that is slowly going to come to an end. It probably will take a couple years. Tomas Philipson, former CEA chair, Joe, you know him well. Steph, you probably don't know him, but he's a very bright guy from Chicago University. He was a CEA chair. He figures it may take the Fed as much as four years to unwind their balance sheet. So the bond market, yeah. So I don't know whether that's right or wrong. Um, Let's say two years. I would say that means the bond market is going to be on tenter hooks for next couple of years. I mean, I just think that's a reality. Larry, I think people forgot you could lose money in bonds. I really right. do. Right. Um, I know my, right. I know I talked to a lot of my advisors at, at Hightower and they are not as surprised on the equity side because they understand that, that the equities are volatile and there's a lot going on to get through. And we talked about multiple contraction in the face of, by the way, better than expected earnings. And I know you are a big earnings and profit follower. Earnings mm-hmm. actually are going a little bit higher. Not a lot, but a little bit higher. We're on track to do, in the first quarter, earnings of 12.5% year over year. That's pretty respectable, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not just about that. And, and, and so I think the multiple contraction advisors and people understand that because there are all these uncertainties on the fixed income side they're very surprised. Now, I would just like just go back to one one thing about the economy. I don't think we're going to be in a recession this year. 2023 is another situation altogether because we have to see what the Fed actually does do. But why I am a little bit more optimistic about this year is because if you look at the GDP number, I know the headline was negative 1.4%. And I know it's down from 6.9% in the fourth quarter. But a lot of that was impacted by inventories and net exports. If you look at the consumer, and this is the, this is the punchline, the consumer uh, was up 2.7% in the GDP report, and the services consumption was up 4.3%. So you're seeing a transition from goods into services. Why do we care about services? You and Joe know this very well. It's 70% of U.S. consumption. In addition, business investment was the highest level since tw- uh, the second quarter 2021. So I think that there is some momentum in the economy still in the face of inflation, in the face of the, um, of, of the Fed. 
eventually it's going to run out. I get it. And we'll have to see what 2023 brings. But I think 2022 is going to be a little bit better on the overall growth rate. And I, I am not expecting inflation to come down substantially. But I think if we're kind of like peakish here, then and we can see some supply chain fixes coming down the pike. Maybe it's not as draconian as we think. We're going to take a break, but I want to underscore your point. Uh, C plus I, consumption plus investment, which is really core GDP, private domestic final sales. We're up 3.7% at an annual rate. And that was stronger than Q4, which was 2.6. And that was stronger than Q3, which was 1.4. So actually, the underlying core part of the economy, and I think, by the way, the strong numbers for business investment and business equipment have a lot to do with the Trump tax cuts. The corporate tax cuts are still in place, and companies are making use of them. They're making use of the depreciation acceleration, and they're making use of the low rates. Biden wanted to overturn them, but he failed, and they're not going to overturn it. So you got a point there. You got a point. I mean, I think that's an important point, and I think earnings, uh, you know, profits of the mother's milk of stocks, but earnings are holding up. So I don't think you got a recession, but I do think you got a, a stagflation threat. Anyway, let's take a quick break. We've got Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist at Hightower Advisors, Head of Investment Solutions, and Joe Lavornia, Chief Economist at Natixis Bank. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Now, back to The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking stock markets with Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist of Hightower Advisors and Head of Investment Solutions, and Joe Lavornia, former Chief Economist at the White House National Economic Council during the Trump administration, and presently Chief Economist at Natixis uh, Bank. Joe, uh, what is the Fed going to do this week? Larry, they're going to go 50 and announce the uh, the balance sheet unwind as well in May. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of what the, they're, they're forecasting, what the market's expecting, you know, beyond the 50 this week, the, the market expects them to tighten a full 300 by next March, which would put it in line with where we were in 94, and also unwind the balance sheet by upwards of, let's say, 900 so billion. That's worth at least another 50, maybe 75 basis points in rate hikes. So the market and the Fed are basically telling us they're going to do more than what they did in 94, substantially more. And what's more important is that in 94, the economy grew at over 4%. It was accelerating from 93. This economy is decelerating. And while you're absolutely correct, the C and the I, the consumption and the investment look very solid. I'm going to tell you that that was basically all driven by, by imports. GDP is a measure of domestic production. We see from industrial production use from the Fed. We see from the production series from the ISM production is rapidly slowing. And again, Larry, I just want to highlight the fact that the tightening we're getting uh, from the interest rates and the shock on food and energy uh, has yet to fully bite the consumer, which is why consumer sentiment, consumer expectations, a leading indicator of activity – are at recession readings. And that's a problem for me. And while 22 might be bumpy, if we think there's a recession coming even as early as 23, that should caution investors not to take a whole lot of risk and maybe even buy the long bond, which, by the way, Larry, through this point in this year, the return on the long bond is the worst 
in the history of data going all the way back to 1928. Yeah, well, <clears throat> buying the long bond would not be my favorite strategy. But Stephanie Link, um, you're not going to have a recession until profits start coming down. Mm-hmm. And I would I would add to this, we only have a, about two minutes left, but I would add to that, Stephanie, there's no inverted curve uh, you know, from three-month bills to 10 years. So the recession call is still out there. So be defensive. Help people get through the next year. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that you want to have a barbell approach, right? Mm. You do want you do want to own some quality, big profit companies, big balance sheets, free cash flow. That is really something that's very, very important. That that does include technology, even though technology's gotten hit very hard, but that includes technology, that includes healthcare. But at the same time, Larry, I am not ca- calling for a recession this year. I'm not even sure about next year. There's so mm. much time between now and then, and I know we only have a little bit of time, but I still think you want to have some exposure to energy, to materials, Mm-hmm. I, and I'm less optimistic about industrials. And you know I've liked industrials for years, but they are not putting up the profits that are able to propel their stock right. higher or their earnings because they need we'll pricing power and so many of them don't. Good advice, Stephanie Link. Nice try, Joe Lavornia. Very good. Appreciate it, both of you. We'll talk soon. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.